How about buying something for once? This ain't a hangout for damn street gangs. Yeah, and drink your zombie takeout. Welcome to episode 48 of Zombie Takeout, Takeout. the B-Movie and Cult Movie Podcast. I'm Uncle John. <laughs> and I'm Scotto. Did you forget who you were? I, I almost <laughs> forgot the intro again, um, because I was a little distracted. Um, we have some listeners submitted for once. Well, that is distracting. How the hell did that happen? <laughs> We're going back a couple of movies here. On The Last Action Hero, John Phillips said... I think this one was panned because everyone took the film too seriously and they missed the joke. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly there. I think people <laughs> might have thought that that was serious. Mm, yeah, in which case, yeah, you're really not going to like it and, or and get it. In the defense of the public, the movie-going public, action movies had gotten that bad. Whereas yeah. that would be something that someone would try to have done seriously. Yeah. Um, Look at the Van Damme movies, oh, the Seagal yeah. movies coming up to that time. And especially that one with Dennis Rodman. Um, yeah. And Michelle said, yeah, that's right. Houdini was an illusionist. I never really thought about that fact before now. I guess that's why you're the critics. Our <laughs> Connie was one of the best. That was That was pretty big indeed. The Hamlet scene was awesome. I love the entire movie. I myself love the entire movie. Timothy Dalton as the bad guy? Oh, hell no. I hated him as James Bond. Boring. He was kind of like a Newark cop became James Bond. <laughs> didn't work. Yeah. She goes on to say, I first saw Bridget Wilson on the show Saved by the Bell years ago. As always, great podcast, guys. I love it. So, yeah, I was right. She had done some TV work before. But yes. action here. And on Megaforce, Michelle said, Oh, don't knock Barry Boswick. He isn't <laughs> that bad. <laughs> Now, I mean, I've seen him do good work, but... Spin City? I, I liked him as George Washington. I think I've said mm-hmm. that before. But in that movie... Whew, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. And the Olivia Newton-John outfit just didn't oh, work. Oh, God, no. Um, she goes on to say, Andrew Dice Clay? Hell no. Matthew McConaughey, Matthew McConaughey? How about Brad Pitt? Small issue there. Brad Pitt can act and thus should do better stuff. Did we really say Andrew Dice Clay? <laughs> yeah, I think you, it was one of the names you were throwing out. <laughs> oh, this is a bad movie. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, you guys are too funny. As always, love the podcast. And John Phillips said via the Facebook fan book, the Facebook fan page, Thanks for doing this one. This episode is the best so far. You and John were really enjoying yourself with this one. Um, just a little side note, I'm the one who posts to the Facebook page, so it would have been you and Scott. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. Well, either way, you know. <laughs> we we both kind of, you know, move in and out there. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, mo- you post the episodes. Yeah. Moving on to this week's show, we're doing something a little experimental this week. Yeah. Uh-oh. First off, we're taking on our first anime. Mm-hmm. And and those who m- might be saying, you know, um, Akira, we're doing Akira, by the way. Yes. Or more accurately, Akira. As they well, said, con- well, yeah, because, well, 
<laughs> more about that in a moment. Um, yeah, you could be you could be sitting there saying, you know, Akira is huge. It is the one probably the best known anime in the world. All anime is cult, <laughs> right? This isn't a so, mainstream movie. And I mean, so, if if we're going with anime, we're going with the best one there is. This is in, in my personal in, opinion. This is mainstream in Japan, but yeah. <laughs> not in the U.S. And also a little bit experimental in the sense that we watch different versions. Right, right. I watch the version with the uh, the subtitles, and I watch the sub. So yeah, that's going to be interesting. And normally, I, when I I mean I've watched. I, you know, I've watched theater in other languages and stuff mm-hmm. where they've had the super titles, and you know, I love my samurai movies and can't wait mm-hmm. to get to do one on here too. But uh, I think anime with subtitles, I, you kind of get a sensory overload. <laughs> 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 it's a whole different ball of wax. Now, now just, I've always watched dubs because I'm a bit too dyslexic for subtitles. I've recently been trying to watch more subtitles because. Uh, a lot of people recommend it because, uh, particularly in the early days, the acting wasn't that good in the, Ameri- the English versions. Yeah. Um, I'm watching Battleship Yamato, uh, Space Star Battleship Blazers. Yamato, a.k.a. Space Star, Star Blazers, Blazers over here. Um, the dub it's actually, was a bit silly. The, the, I never liked the, the uh, commander's voice. The, the <laughs> subtitled version, the actual Japanese audio, it's actually dramatic. Yes. And, and quite good. Um, mm-hmm. So I've been trying to get more into subtitles, but we, we split it up this way because you were able to get the subtitled version. Yeah. And that takes us to Scotto's impromptu plot summary, brought to you this week by Covert Government Research. Trust us, you really don't want to know. And by the games of the 2020th Olympiad, where all the shit's going down, apparently. Mm, if they still have a, um, a stadium. Yes. <laughs> uh, wow, you know, I could sum this up in two words, honestly. Okay. Jesus Christ. <laughs> you really expect me to do an impromptu <laughs> summary on this? <laughs> this I've like, been waiting for this. Six, uh, six volumes of, uh, of comic book uh, shoved into two hours. Mm-hmm. Um, Wow. Uh, where do we, where to begin? Okay, there are these motorcycle gangs. <laughs> this is probably the most impromptu of all plot summaries uh, you've done. There are these motorcycle gangs. It's kind of like the warriors only on motorcycles. Mm-hmm. You have the clowns, and you got the capsules. Yes. Do I have that right? All right. Mm-hmm. So they're rumbling. They uh, There's this whole government, uh, anti-government riots going on that they get caught in the middle of. One of the members of this biker gang gets... Tetsuo. Yes, Tetsuo gets kidnapped or captured by the government. And this is the one part of the movie, because this is the first time I've actually seen this movie, Mm. uh, that I'm a little hazy on. Do they awaken the Akira with power within Tetsuo? Or did he have this already? And, you know, he... It it was, because I... You're right. It wasn't really explained in the anime because it is a six-volume manga compressed <laughs> into two and two hours and change. Right. Um, but I did some research. I looked at. Um, there's a lot of. Uh, there's a glossary on the DVD, and there's a lot more information. His grandfather worked on the original Akira project, and it was passed down to him. The the ability was passed down to Tetsuo. His contact with one of the numbers, um, Toshiko, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, awakened the ability, 
you know, okay. kind of I brought it out of meeting, him. Meeting the kid in yeah, that. His, and, oh, the encounter right. with Toshiko brought it out. That makes sense. Because uh, Toshiko used his power to blow up the motorcycle so he didn't get hit by it. True. And he it, it triggered it in Tetsuo. All right, all right. Now, all right. That that clears a lot of me. I should also explain the setting of this. Um, I don't know something with the Japanese. You, you drop two atomic bombs on the country. They get all <laughs> touchy about it, and they uh, apparently World War Three happened in 1988, setting or, off an or atomic so they bomb. Say. Right, setting off an atomic bomb near. Uh, yeah, that's right. It could very well not have been World War Three. Well, it wasn't. Yeah, the, the it was the Akira. It was Akira that went off and not a bomb. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, you can't pin this one on us this time, all right? Hmm. And you're right. They, so the uh, worry is that uh, they, they built a Neo-Tokyo hmm. in the uh, Sea of Japan, or on an island, man-made island on the Sea of Japan, and that's where all of this takes place. Hmm. And, yes, yeah, so this uh, power in Tetsuro is unleashed and... Um, I get. Can I can I get off the hook and say hilarity and Because <laughs> beyond that, it's like Since you know, they seen, have to. I, them they have to. I've seen this one several times. I'll take over for this time. <laughs> Tag. Just a handoff. Okay. Yeah. Um, Tetsuo and um, Toshiko come into contact. The Akira ability is awoken in Tetsuo. Uh, the 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 military takes him away. They're, they've been tracking um, Toshiko. They're trying to try, you know, bring him back to the facility. They they find him. They bring Tetsuo with him for some reason. I don't know quite why. He was just kind of passed <laughs> out at the site, the site of the explosion. Um, and so they bring him back, and they find out he's got the ability, and he and then it grows and gets out of control, and he breaks out, and then hilarity ensues. Oh, right. And there. a giant blob. The important part was they took him into custody. I think my original uh, summary. Well, better though. perhaps. <laughs> All right. Um, so, no. oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to move into cast here, but uh, what were you going to go with? Well, I was just going to go with one of my discussion points. Just a little quick okay. thing. Um, just something I noticed at the outset what? during the cha- the chasing of when they were chasing down Toshika. I hope I'm getting that name right because I've said it like four times. <laughs> um, the ASPCA must hate this movie. <laughs> You know, thinking of that, it's like, wow, shooting dogs? This movie's okay in my book. Then <laughs> uh, they're like calling the cops on. Never mind, the dogs were about to jump on him and like rip mm-hmm. his face off. <laughs> you shot a dog. Yeah, and he shot one again. Mm. But yeah, the cast here, we really uh, we don't have much on this week, do we? No. Um, well, okay, so you said it was... I, I just want to get into that a bit, because I, I was... Well, I, mean, I can't say pleasantly surprised, because like I said, I've seen it like six times. But um, the first time I saw it, I have to say I was pleasantly surprised. Um, it was very straightforward. There was a little bit of overacting in some of the side characters. I think it was, you know, got yeah. people with parts that were a little, a little too small for their taste, trying to be memorable. Right. Um, but the leads, it was pretty straightforward. No funny voices, no cartoony stuff. Um, but, but back to your point about the um, sensory overload. Yeah. What do, what do you could you elaborate? Well, to try to read subtitles at the same time as taking all of this animation going on at one time, mm-hmm. it's damn near impossible. <laughs> I, I mean, you're gonna you have to see it more than once to really 
get it entirely. Watching it in going on. English, you have to kind of see it more than once to really get it. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, trying to read it at the same time as taking all the animation, it's just too much. Yeah, and that's that's one other thing I was going to bring up. Um, some Now, for the most part, again, I love this movie, but at times the dialogue does get a bit too expositional. Well, right. But there's, there's so a few too to many look in. over there. <laughs> But there's so much going on. They, they. I don't even see how they'd have a choice but not to do mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah, yeah. And and that's one thing I will, I have to say. The pacing is it does not let you go. Right. There is no downtime. There is no okay. I don't really have to pay attention now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You have to, and that's why it's tough to have to read subtitles at the mm-hmm. same time. I, I mean, believe me, I've done it for many, many other yeah. movies and plays, but. <laughs> because it's it, it's it's been it had been a while and since I'd seen it and I and I, what it got to me was before the first within the first half of the movie we're already at the stadium yeah for the big showdown everything that leads up to that is the less than the first half of the movie normally that would be the first hour and a half and you have you know for a traditional movie that's the first hour and a half and they cram the big showdown into the end. Well, you kept thinking, well, this can't be the big showdown because there's still like another half hour left mm-hmm. or there's a whole other hour left. You know, mm-hmm. They they, they kind of had what could have been a big showdown about every half hour of well, yeah, the movie, yeah. really. Uh, and really, this could have been a couple of different movies, you know, stretched out. Yeah. Easily. I mean, that taking six, you know, maybe they didn't have to... Sh- Cram so much into so little time if they had just made more movies into two parts, right? Yeah, and and well, that gets to something that we'll be discussing in sequels and remakes. But continue. Uh, The uh, cast—it's really mostly voice guys. Well, yeah, you have some that um, go on to do like uh, voices in Transformers and Mm -hmm. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and Dragon Ball Z. But Mm -hmm. other than that, you really don't have. Anybody that you can yeah, um, recognize. Somewhere. The guy who played uh, Kaneda in the English version was one of the Power Rangers. Oh, yeah? Went on to be one of the Power Rangers, uh, Johnny Young Bosch. Huh. And it's tough to see which one I've got, whether I've got the Japanese cast or mm-hmm. the uh, English cast, but I think I've got the Japanese cast. I think you could probably tell by the names. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Now, I do have one minor criticism, aside from the exposition thing, which, yeah, you kind of have to do that. Right. Um, but also, and again, this isn't really a criticism per se, but it's a little... The animation and art style is a bit dated. Well, it's of its time. I it's mean, a, it, it does. It is very 80s, a lot of big blocks of flat color, and everything, there's always something moving. <laughs> right. And I don't think they really... Went beyond this until later, and you know they 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 built over on this. Oh you know? yeah, yeah. I mean, it, they say that this is a, a big key for uh, anime. Oh, absolutely. Reach, but I, I kind of disagree with that. This isn't really, really the first wave that we've seen. I I think the animation is a lot better, but I think it's of the same style that a lot of cartoons were before this. Well, it is, it is very, and this is what I meant by dated, it is actually, it is very similar in the same vein as the Star Blazers and the right. uh, Battle, Battle of the Planets and the classic stuff. 
Right. It hadn't really evolved. It, it was they were still in that world. Um, some of it was beautiful, though. I mean, yeah. I, 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 some of the backgrounds, the mm-hmm. escapes that they did. I think that's where it really. The characters were very much still in the old school. Oh, definitely. Um, how, but the backgrounds and the uh, the the detail and the basically all of the inanimate stuff mm-hmm. was really what stepped where the the progression occurred. Right. That's where you get. That's what you know. Modern animes have taken from, uh, particularly one I've recently seen called um, Appleseed, uh, which is all CG in the background. Um, clearly, the level of detail is taken straight from Akira. Well, right, and if they're using computers, it, you can't really. It's not even well, fair to compare. Well, them. no, but I'm saying they. The reason that they decided to take that step to do CG to get that kind of that photorealism was, I think, because of Akira, because they were able to do it hand drawn. Now, I mean, do you have more, uh, do you have a lot of trivia on this one, or a few bits? Um, just a couple of other things I want to get to before I move on to my trivia. Um, actually, just one more thing. Um, now, we pointed out it's it's very much in the vein of Star Blazers and in the older school of animation. As a result, and I, I find this interesting because I've been on a major anime kick lately, watching a lot of more modern stuff. It doesn't observe the usual tropes in a lot of ways. No bright, no weirdly colored hair. <laughs> well, that became trendy, you know. So yeah, I think that was more of a '90s thing. Yeah, um, <laughs> the oversized eyes, which I thought was has been what has been a staple of anime from the beginning. They're slightly oversized, but not as much, much as you would expect. It's not Pokemon. They're almost natural. <laughs> and and speaking of natural, there's also, <clears throat> and this is. This is what caught my attention first, and what really got me to notice that how they kind of steer, steered away from the tropes a bit. You don't get the naturally, the, the, I should say, the unnaturally idealized women in this one. <laughs> I was, I was wondering where you're going with that. <laughs> what do you, what do you, you know, begin it with? Uh, speaking of natural, <laughs> well, I don't just mean in that respect, but you know, look at, I mean, even going back to Star Blazers and Battle of the Planets and the classic stuff, you have these idealized <clears throat> women, right? And man, I guess men to a certain extent. You don't have that in this. Everyone looks pretty plain. The protagonists do seem interchangeable to me, though. You know? A little. Well, they're they're you know <laughs> teenage boys. You know, Derek Wildstar easily could have been Canada. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, they're, they're, yeah. they they're really kind of they're still two dimensional to me. You know, mm-hmm. um, but, you mean in terms of the characters or in terms of the visuals? In terms of the characters themselves, you know, okay, um, still that you know, ah, you know, the teenage rebel. And, yeah, well, okay. that because I think um, the real story was with Tetsuo. He yeah. was the one with the defining characteristic, not just the Akira abilities, but also his inferiority complex, which led to the whole story. Sure. Um, and Canada, Canada, Canada needed to be that overbearing alpha male in order to create that. Yeah, it's still the same character, though. I mean, you could. <laughs> there, there's so you know, there's so many different ways you could put the same guy. Mm. I don't know, but it's still you know, it was still a, a great uh, a great plot to have watched uh, oh, yeah. unfold there. Um, now I'll do a bit of trivia. Um, now it's well, most anime is notorious for cutting production corners with limited motion, such as having only the characters' mouths moving while they're speaking. Akira broke this trend with detailed scenes, lip-sync dialogue, a first for anime production, the lip-sync dialogue, 
and super fluid motion. It's interesting because they say this was a corner that they turned because that's kind of what annoyed me a little bit about it. <laughs> because it, it was a little too much motion when they were talking. It's the beginning of it, though, where they're going to get to to more you know of a realistic approach. Yeah. Um, also, um, Katsuhiro uh, Otamo, the director, is a big fan of the classic 50s manga Tetsu- Tetsujin 28, Iron Man 28, known as Gigantor in the U.S. And as a result, his naming convention matched, character- matched the characters featured in that one. Kaneda, um, Tetsuo, and the uh, Colonel all share names with characters from that. Okay. It's also one of the first animes to have the characters' voices recorded before they were animated. That I found very interesting. That is interesting. And I guess that would make it easier to do the lip syncing. And this was, while this is typical in the U.S., they always do the voice voice work and then usually film the actor, voice actors and animate to them. Um, still, even today, traditionally in Japan, they do the animation first and then the actors have to match it. And, you know, I think the sad thing, though, is watching this, I just took that for granted that they... You know the dialogue the matched, yeah. you know, with, with the lip syncing. I just but completely took it for granted. It was I've the first been, to do that. Yeah. Um, but what about the dubbing version? It, you know, it's still not going to match. Well, but that was what surprises me, and it always surprises me. But I guess, I guess it's a scripting issue when you do the translation. Mm-hmm. You try to get it because I've never seen, at least in a decent anime, the the old you know kung fu movie bit where the mouth keeps moving after the dialogue stops. Right. I guess it's a matter of the translation and the delivery. Where the in Star Wars, where Darth Vader is pointing way yes, after. Yes, exactly. Okay. Um, <laughs> Just wanted to bring that up. Where they they stretch the lines out or or tailor them to the mouth movements that there that are, already exist, so it doesn't read as it still looks like it'll fit. Also, the movie consists of two thousand two hundred and twelve shots and one hundred and sixty thousand single pictures. Two to three wow. times more than usual, using three hundred and seven <laughs> using three hundred and twenty seven different colors. Another record in film animation. I was wondering how the hell they did this. <laughs> this is the line that gets me in this bit of trivia. This is why I have okay. this down. Fifty of these colors were created exclusively for the film. Now how do you create a color? <laughs> well that means they added to you mix others, but you add they added to the animation palette for this movie. You call it Rupert or something? I mean, what? How do you there are stranger color color names. <laughs> the reason for this is because so much of it takes place at night, and that requires more colors. Yeah, and you know, for a while there, I was wondering: did they build Neo Tokyo underground? Is this kind of another Star Blazers thing where they had the city underground? Because they really don't have much detail in the sky. Well, Until about the prison, the, the scene where um, Canada's uh, imprisoned, mm-hmm. and then they show the you know the daylight coming through, right? And, and then, then they course, show the sky after that. At the end, when he flies up to the satellite, right, right. Did, did you notice the, the initials on the satellite? <laughs> I thought that was a coincidence. <laughs> I, I suspect it was. I don't know. It's it's the SOL, um, Satellite Orbital Laser, or something or other. Well, um, Sol also means sun in Spanish. So yeah, I don't know. Um, uh, but I I don't know which came first, this or Misty. So I don't know which influenced which, if there was any influence. <laughs> but I can't watch it without thinking Satellite of Love. <laughs> well. There's also, you know, there's also Lou Reed, who, you know, that was his song. Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe that was where they got it from then. 
perhaps. Or, of course, SOL. Yeah, yeah. That's a Wait. completely other... Uh... I didn't... I, in, in the ten or so years I've known of this movie, I've been watching this movie, that never occurred to me. That's what I was thinking a year ago at first. <laughs> never thought of that. Why, it's the SOL. <laughs> well, I don't know if they thought about that. It's destroyed again. Uh, <laughs> we still didn't take out the entire city this time. Yeah, that was nice of <laughs> Um, so I guess it's not sequels and remakes, unless you've got more. Uh, well, the one interesting thing I thought was Lucas and Spielberg had a shot at distributing this themselves. Yes, uh, yes I did notice that. And, and thought it wasn't going to be marketable in the U.S. And of course they were right. It, I mean, yeah, but yeah. However, if they had a wider release and, mm. a, and a, an appropriate marketing plan to go with it. Yeah, I think marketing would have been a bigger deal. I think they may have had something here. Because when the um, and I think it was 2001 when the uh, new dub was put, they put out a new dub and a whole new packaging for this and Ghost in the Shell and a few other animes landmark animes and they among anime fans it was you know Christmas <laughs> it was huge right and and I think actually they kind of made some mainstream news Ghost in the Shell and and particularly Akira I think are are the the two that are known to non-anime fans to a large extent because of that big marketing push they had when the DVDs were put out. Yeah. And but I if they had done that in 88, I think, yeah, maybe it would have broken the market a bit, open, opened up the market a bit for anime in the U.S. I don't know if we were ready for it back then, though. Mm, possibly. <laughs> yeah. I really don't. I mean, it's it's taken a lot to get us into this. And, you know, you know some things like Pokemon and stuff mm-hmm. really are going to help it go through. Although, I mean, more mainstream. What occurred to me watching this, because it, it was, I think it was only about four years previous, but heavy metal was very similar in a lot of ways. Oh, it was. A lot of the animation is very similar to heavy metal. Because, uh, you know, again, I've, I've known both of them for years, but look, watching it for the show, I, I couldn't help but compare them. And I, 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 every, the whole time I'm thinking, this is what heavy metal should have been. Yeah. Yeah, the the animation is, was far superior to heavy metal. The style of it was very similar, mm-hmm. but I think the just the colors, the the just the the art, pure artistry in this is yeah. just amazing. Okay, so now on to sequels and remakes. I believe so. Um, well, obviously, there's been talk of a live action that, version of this. Yeah, that's where I was going. For um, about twenty years now, I think uh-huh. there's been talk of it. Yeah, um, since the early nineties. Yeah. Um, uh, it was uh, the company uh, Kodansha Limited was in negotiations with Sony to produce a live action film. That never went anywhere. Mm-hmm. And then Warner Brothers picked it up. Stephen Norrington was signed on as a writer. John Peters as a producer. Uh, it was in development. Um, also, most notably, um, Leonardo DiCaprio was signed on to produce it. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, and that's been um, they're back and forth on you know over a couple of years. Um, they say it's on course, it's being fast tracked and is on course to be released in 2011. I've also seen places and, where they're they're calling 2013. Yeah, well, I think a yeah, lot more sense to me. Yeah, um, it's I think it's going to be one of those. Um, the World of Warcraft movie was like this. It was in limbo for years until Sam Raimi signed on. <laughs> And then it, it started moving forward. I think they're really going to need a name in, term, in terms of the writing, the directing. They're talking re- about the Hughes brothers directing, which could be interesting. What have they done? 
Uh, I believe they're Dead Presidents. Oh, okay. Um, they just did the Book of Eli. Oh, wow. Haven't Curious seen to that see one that yet, one. Yeah. Though, so I don't Looks know. interesting. Um, but also, what I alluded to earlier, it's going to be two movies. Uh, the first one based on the first three volumes, second one based on the second four to six. Which makes a lot more sense. Yeah, this I think that will, well, makes more sense to do it that way. And also, I think the piece will make more sense. You won't have to. I love it. I know, I understand it because I've researched it. You know, right. if, you, if you just watch this without research, you're going to be a little confused. Well, I, and that's it's probably the one flaw, but I would say it's a very minor flaw that there there's just way too much crammed into two hours when mm-hmm. they could take their time with it and make something you know do the first three volumes in about an hour and a half. Yeah, do a or do a series, do a six a six episode series, which is very common in anime. True. One episode for each episode issue of the manga. Hmm. Um, that I think would have been. Yeah, with the same production values, although that would have gotten ridiculously expensive if they used if they had the same production values. But if you're talking live action, and really, I think that's what we we yeah, we'd, we'd I, I back talk a bit, about. yeah, but yeah, because to get into animation, I think uh, I don't know what the point would be to do an animation. Yeah, you can do this all on a computer. I, I backtracked. It's not as impressive. Yeah, I backtracked a bit. Um, but yeah, the live action version. Um, Two movies, I think, is about right. They don't want to do two. Maybe a trilogy, if, if you want to break it down a bit more. But two I, is sufficient. I don't know. If you do... Well, yeah, I guess you could do that. You make it. A, I think they would work it into a trilogy anyway, because that's just how the American movie market mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of expects you to do yeah. at this point. Although people then, you know, wear out their welcome after that. <laughs> no names mentioned. I'm just curious how they're going to do the end in live action. Well, the ending was very well, 2001, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, thank you. Um, and I just don't mean just the ending, yes, which was very 2001. Um, the whole, uh, the last stage of uh, of Tetsuo's progression. Right. From there on. Oh, definitely. That'll be very interesting in live action. I mean, it's going to be all CG, but I, I just want to see how, how realistic it looks. Yeah. Because even the animation version of that one is a little disgusting. <laughs> it was, you know, 2001, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't as annoying. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it's full of flesh. <laughs> Maybe they should have called it Tyrannosaurus Rex. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad you didn't mention 2001, because that's what I was thinking at the end. And, and we discussed that offline, was it last week? Yes. So it I kind of curious. makes me wonder, we should leave, like, we should let things, like, record even after we're done. Possibly, yeah. Uh, just record the whole the whole conversation, yeah. <laughs> to get those things on tape mm-hmm. to you sometime in the future. Um, but, but, so, because yeah. you had said um, that you, you that was, when you first saw 2001, you hated the ending. Right. I, actually, I you still hate the ending. Uh, yeah, I don't think I haven't sat through it again since. Are you kidding me? So, what was your take on the ending of this one? I, this it made more sense. I felt. Uh-huh. You know, you could see the progression. Whereas there, it was the the ending just was a, just a, a left sucker field, a sucker punch of a giant fetus. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. So, okay, we'll recap the conversation. I compared it to the Mr. Clown joke. Now, if yes. you're not familiar with the Mr. Clown joke, it's some kid that was angered by a clown. Actually, it was a kid who was a huge clown fan, and they go through describing every clown thing the kid owns, 
and then he gets angered by a clown, and then he plots his revenge, and it follows him for like a couple decades in great detail, and pretty much the punchline when he finally meets the clown again is, well, fuck you, Mr. Clown. Mm -hmm. It's one of the, the class of those jokes that go on and on forever with no punchline. Right, right. So, you know... I was enraged with the person <laughs> and wanted to kill him. As as was the intention. And I felt the same way after seeing that, that, that the giant fetus overlooking the planet Earth was a big fuck you, Mr. Audience member. <laughs> now this, though, this you could see because they, they, they make the illusion that there is a transformation in, in progress here. Mm. That the this is what's going to happen to them. And it makes perfect sense that it, they're going to create a new universe. They're going to be a universe, a universe practically. Well, actually, well, that's, that is under, I did again, a bit more research. Um, and, and just as a side note, I actually like the fact that I had to research the plot. <laughs> <laughs> um, there is some debate as to whether or not he created a new universe and became a god or the, the official description was he, he sort of went back through the stages of evolution and somehow back to the Big Bang. Okay, that that's possible too. I mean, he so he's creating the old universe, sort of. <laughs> yeah, the you, it leaves it up to you. I mm-hmm. don't know. And, and and that gets into again another. And I, I think we went back to the review somehow. Um, <laughs> right. Um, which kind of fits for this one. Um, and the only real issue I have, I have with this, and it happens a lot with. Effective, what is effectively a superhero movie? You make the powers too big, you don't limit them, and it 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 kind of gets a bit silly. Well, right. When they how... can do anything, you really don't have any rules, and you 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 can kind of tend to overdo it a bit. It's like what we were talking about last week with Dreamscape and The Matrix. Yeah. You know, once you have the ultimate power, that's the end of the story. Yeah. <laughs> You really can't go, well, you know, there's a weakness in my ultimate power. Well, then it isn't the ultimate power, then, is it? Right. Or maybe, you know, we thought it was the ultimate power, but it really wasn't, because he went and built a giant shield around the planet Earth. Well, I guess we'll get to that (laughs) some other time. Yeah. (laughs) But he he sort of had the ultimate power, and the only downside was it it turned him, it, it ripped him apart, effectively. Okay, now looking at the... Physically and psychologically. Back to our plot here. The craziness, the, things turned upside down to me. Um, and maybe because I just finished watching this is why I can't really speak all that well okay. this, uh, this week. <laughs> um, <laughs> the scientists are the crazy, reckless people. Yes. The military are the cautious... <laughs> yeah, it, it was a bit of a twist on the cliché. <laughs> You know, you don't have George C. Scott and Dr. Strangelove here. You've got the, don't you guys know what we have here? We've got to be careful with this. And, and you know, and it's the scientists. Ah, man, you drop two atomic bombs on a country and they just... Although I think that makes a bit what? more... I think that's a bit more realistic. That uh, it, would, the, it would make sense that, you know, you know a scientist maybe would... And, I, I, and I'm not bashing science by any means. I love science. <laughs> but... They'd be more inclined to want to. Mr. Scientist. They'd be more inclined to want to experiment and see and explore and just get caught up in that, whereas the military might be more conservative and more concerned about a possible threat. Well, I think, you know, watching all the samurai movies and stuff, it kind of works into, you know, the code of honor and stuff. Mm-hmm. 
And and it, I think the big surprise is they didn't try to weaponize it. Well, right. That's what the logical thing would be. We're going to make this into a weapon somehow. Hmm. Okay, so I think we're on to brains. You drop two atomic bombs on the country, they get gun shy. What can you do? <sighs> yeah, I think we're on to brains now. Um, I, like I said, I adore this movie. Uh, even though I've pointed out a few issues, I, I still have to go five. Yeah, I mean, I'm <laughs> seeing that. I almost have some of the same feelings after seeing Wicker Man, where I was like, this is awesome. Did I like this, though, or not? <laughs> <laughs> and um but I'm gonna I'm gonna still give it a five because just the scope of this mm. is just amazing. The animation is incredible. Yeah. Um the budget for this I see was eleven million, which isn't entirely huge if you think no. about everything. Although they said the live action was halted back in the nineties because their projected budget was about three hundred million at least. But that was before the prequels, and I think Lucas... Mm-hmm. And expensive I, actors, probably. They were probably going a little too big. I think... Well, I think a lot of it was just effects. Oh, yeah, true, true. I think before you most do it all this, with a PC. Right, right. I think, and I think Lucas, as much as people want to bash the prequels, I think Lucas has paved the way oh, yeah. for a new well, generation of films. Not to get off on a, on a tangent, um, he definitely innovated. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just took it a bit too far. <laughs> no, well, that's the point. Well, that's another debate for another time. Yeah, um, so I'm I'm going with five brains on this as well. That could of course change if I see this a couple more times and think, well, you know. But at first impressions, it gets a five from me. So what have we learned? Uh wow, I didn't have a seizure. <laughs> and I learned that if you see military helicopters descending towards you, run. <laughs> Words to live by. So, until next week, when we will be reviewing... Yes, we actually have the next few weeks planned. Um, Next week, we'll be reviewing THX 1138. Speaking of Mr. Lucas. Yes. Go to ZombieTakeOut.com. Check out the album art, the episode descriptions, the links to the Facebook group, the Twitter account. All that good stuff. And until next week, always remember, never forget, wherever you go in life, there you are. There you are. I wish you'd just go away and leave me alone. And now it's time for, without further ado, Scotto's impromptu plot summary, brought to you by Covert Government Research. I'm going to try that again, because my read was off there. <laughs> my read was completely jacked there. Okay. <clears throat>